Welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. This week, we will be discussing Phasma, a novel by Delilah S. Dawson. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and of course, with me as always are Chad J. Schonk and Ryan Schweck. But first, over to you, Chad. This is your reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We are going to spoil this book. We are assuming that if you're here, you have either done the reading or don't care about spoilers. We also, in the course of our conversation, may, and let's be fair, will spoil anything else Star Wars, including whatever the most recent thing is when you listen to this. So that has been your spoiler warning. Ryan, news. So we're in a pretty dead news cycle right now. Uh, you know, we're in the couple of weeks before May the 4th where they really have started saving up their big news items for. I know Hasbro is planning a big panel on May the 4th. Was it Hascon that they just had? They just had Hascon. That they didn't make too big of an impression? They did not. And so they're saving it all. It's going to be at noon on May the 4th. And I think that's where we're really going to see everything. Yeah, we talked about needless things, but what they did announce is pretty cool. They're going to, part of the Lucas 50th anniversary line, they're releasing some Clone Wars figures on that, like, kind of white Clone War helmet card, Mm. which was a really cool card when it came out. And they're doing a Obi-Wan, an Anakin, an Echo, and a Hawk. They look really good. Uh, It has leaked their Target exclusives, and they will go up for pre-order on May the 4th. So good luck with that. Target exclusives are the worst. Over in Disney Plus news, there's a strong rumor that as part of the, what do they call it, vintage? I can't remember off the top of my head. The vintage collection. Yeah. yeah, the vintage collection. They are going to release that Star Wars Detours. Oh, really? Yeah. The Seth Green thing. Apparently, so there's 52 episodes of this thing. Now, they're little shorts, you know, and it's these little yeah. non-cam animation funny things. But that's kind of cool, you know, that one, a little bit of it leaked one time, like just part of one of the episodes. And yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'll watch it. I'll check it out. It's definitely mm-hmm. like, wasn't it always just basically going to be kind of a robot chicken? Take? Yes, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, if we can get more of Sheev calling her pancakes and laughing at Darth Vader <laughs> crying, I will be super excited. I love those robot chickens. <laughs> I, I want the continuing stories of Pondo Baba. Yeah. He doesn't like you. I'm sorry. I don't like you either. You better watch yourself. We're wanted men. I have the death sentence on 12 systems. I'll be careful. You'll be dead! Gee, Panda, I just don't see how you can keep designing with no drawing arm. Of course, Donald Faison Stormtrooper. We need to know more about him and his daughter. Who is this little girl? take your daughter to work day and i know uh, you know i'm sorry for bringing her but you know my wife says i never see her and I mean, let's be honest she's right okay she's right do you have kids because i mean they change your world oh, i'm probably gonna get fired for this but f- it 
I love my daughter. That really hits me where I live. <laughs> my favorite, though, is him on the phone where he's talking to Darth Vader. He's like, I think he's crying. What in the hell's an <laughs> aluminum falcon? <laughs> God, so good. Oh, oh, just rebuild it? Oh, that would be a real f***ing original. And who's going to give me a loan, jackhole? You? You got an ATM on that torso light bright? Now get your seven-foot-two asthmatic ass back here, or I'm going to tell everyone what a whiny bitch you were about Patamame or Panda Bear or whatever the hell her name is. Oh, jeez, he's crying. <laughs> hey, 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 come on, come on, don't do that. Just, just, uh, look, I, you know, I'm just dealing with a lot of crap right now. Death Star blown up by a bunch of f***ing teenagers, you know, I didn't mean to snap. I'll stand up for the first Family Guy one, but the other two suck, but I'll stand up for the first oh, one. Oh yeah, the first yeah. one was good. All wings, check in. Red three, standing by. Red six, standing by. Red five, standing by. Red button, standing by. Red fox, standing by. Big Red, standing by. Red October, standing by. Helen Reddy, standing by. Simply Red, standing by. Another Disney Plus news, Maya Ersk, I think it's Skeen, might be Sky, who is the co-creator and the star of that Hulu show, Pin 15. That everybody likes so much. I've never seen it, but she's been cast in Obi Wan Kenobi. And man, if you look at this girl, she's Afro. Like, really? She's maybe looks young enough to play Callie if they go that route, but she looks just like Afro. And so we'll see. Yeah, that would be a good way to introduce her. Hmm. You know, there's always been those rumors that that's the next Disney Plus show. It's it's gonna happen eventually. Yeah, we don't have a show like that. If they legitimately do Dr. Afra Archaeologist, mm -hmm. that's a different show. Almost if they start with the second comic series somehow. Yeah, just have it related somehow. Or I'll, I'll watch it if it's just her adventures. They'll still find yeah. a way to tie it into things. But if, if it's just like Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, but, you know, watchable. <laughs> and that's not fair. Those were watchable. They just weren't good. And then in some breaking news that actually came out about, it's about 30 minutes ago, actually. Matt Lanter who, you know, voices Anakin. It mm -hmm. came out in a story for Entertainment Weekly they were doing for May the 4th that he is currently voicing Anakin again for a Star Wars animation project that has not been revealed yet. Ooh. So who knows? Yeah, I don't know. And they were pretty clear it's not Bad Batch, so it's not... It could be a game or something? <laughs> it just says animation project, and okay. that's what he kind of left it at. So it mm. could be... God, how awesome would it be like to get a good like Clone Wars game? Oh yeah. Ooh. I got my when I opened up my copy of Thrawn today and it had the timeline. Mm -hmm. One thing I noticed that is completely absent in current canon is anything between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Any of the like Obi-Wan training Anakin stuff, there none of that exists anymore. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a ton of it in the first place. There was like Rogue Planet and a couple other stories in there, but there wasn't a whole lot in there. So that's an area I would love to dive into. Maybe the sh their relationship a little bit. And maybe see some of Obi-Wan really failing at teaching him. Because I don't think we get too much of that. I mean, Clone Wars covered it, that but was... you never, by the time you get to Clone Wars, he's Anakin. He's trained. Well, and they're already best buds too. That's the thing. Like, And they should become good friends, but when they meet, Obi-Wan doesn't want to train him. He's an obligation. So I would like to see that story of him being an obligation. Obi-Wan, promise. Promise me you will train the boy. Yes, Master. I also want to know what he does to go from being a 25-year-old Padawan 
to within 13 years, he's on the council and he's a master. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He was granted a place on the council. (laughs) (laughs) But that does not make him a master. No, no, I mean (laughs) Obi-Wan. No, you mean Obi-Wan. I thought you meant Anakin. (laughs) No, Obi-Wan is a 25-year-old Padawan. (laughs) And then next thing you turn around and, and he's... He's on the council and wait, what? I always got the feeling he was supposed to be like, what, 17 or something? Yeah, 17, no, he's 18. 17 in Master and Apprentice. I'm not saying that's what it looks like. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not talking. I thought, I thought, according to the story. Oh, you're right. Because he's, he's only it. like, he's only like 37, 38 at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about. And it is something that we talked about, or we had a little bit of a conversation on the uh, Needless Things Facebook group. So old Katie Sackoff, <laughs> apparently to hide that it was Luke Skywalker coming <laughs> during the season two finale of Mandalorian. I knew you were going to mention this. I, I knew you couldn't not mention it. Was told that it was Plukoon. And not Luke Skywalker. And some people, you know, said, well, how would she believe that? I'm glad you asked. So. Plukoon, <laughs> using his force powers, turns out was able to save himself in a force bubble, which then put him in a coma that conveniently lasted for about 20 years. Plukoon awakens to a galaxy that is no longer at war and there's no more Jedi Council and he decides it's time to retire and let go of my warrior life. But then a message comes from Tython that only (laughs) someone with his experience would recognize and he arrives to find Grogu, a young Yoda species that he met in the temple. The two then go off on a ancient Jedi trial through the unknown regions going from temple to temple mm-hmm. while he decides, should I train and turn this over to Luke Skywalker? Because I figured out what happened with Anakin. Along the way, they run into a growing threat in the unknown regions. Coming soon to Disney+. Plus. Plue and grew. <laughs> I'll watch it. So yeah, that's all the news we got for this episode. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll have to eat this boring oatmeal. It's a trap! Wow, Admiral Akbar! Wow, Admiral Akbar cereal! Colorful marshmallows! Imitation crab meat! Your tongues can't repel flavor of that magnitude! There's a prize in every box! Admiral Akbar cereal! Now with brine shrimp! So tonight we're talking about Phasma, which is about obviously Captain Phasma, who I am told is a character that was in the Star Wars sequels. The first thing that occur- occurred to me was we could talk about our favorite stormtroopers, and uh, since she's a stormtrooper, and I do want to do that. But first, I wanted to ask you guys a question. I have over the last, I would say a few years, but definitely over, over the last few months, grown slightly uncomfortable with thinking stormtroopers are cool. In 75, 74, whatever year Lucas decided what he was going to name his white clad soldiers of the empire. He didn't stumble upon the name stormtroopers, right? He was creating an historical antecedent to the stormtroopers of Nazi Germany. He was loading them up. 
he wanted you. It's a shorthand, right? Like no good guys have stormtroopers. <laughs> Very easy, just quick way for Lucas to say, these guys are bad. They're they're freaking stormtroopers. If you have any sense of history, stormtrooper, the term is way scarier than death trooper because death trooper is some made up stupid sci-fi BS and stormtroopers really happened. Some of us kind of believe that during the protests in D.C. last year, that the attorney general of the United States deployed stormtroopers in D.C. So I guess my question is, when it comes to fictional bad guys and stuff that have clear lineages to real world things, is there a problem with and listen, I love you guys, but is it a problem when 300 nerds dress as fascist stormtroopers and, and march down the street in Dragon Con? I mean, I, I'm, I don't have an answer to this. I'm just asking. They are based on fascist stormtroopers of Adolf Hitler. That's undisputed, right? Like, Well, and not even going back to 77, they are still using that imagery with the new sequel. I mean, that rally is very clearly a Nazi rally with hawks and the flags. This fierce machine which you have built upon which we stand will bring an end to the Senate, to their cherished fleet. All remaining systems will bow to the first order and will remember this as the last day of the Republic. But then my kid has Stormtrooper pajamas. Right. I was just wondering, it just because I was I was working on my list and I just thought it was fairly, you know, I, I said there's no real good answer to this. It's it's. But I just I looked over and I've got these little statues on my shelf of people that were, you know, they're they're fascist tools. <laughs> you know, I know, you know, the 501st does great work and their charity work and all that stuff. But and then little kids pose for pictures with stormtroopers at, at Disneyland. I just wonder, like, does there come a point where we're fetishizing something or, or thinking something's cool because they are cool? And we're going to talk about how cool they are and how cool they look. Is there a point where that's a problem? I feel like my nerd brain has separated it from reality far enough because it had to. Because when you when you look at them and go, oh, obviously this is all Nazi, terrible stuff, but fun space cowboy stories. So, you know, your your nerd brain has to separate it somehow. Otherwise, you can't enjoy it. I, I think the correlation between Nazi Stormtrooper and Star Wars Stormtrooper is not as much these days as it once was, or even in when the movies came out. Like if you were to ask my kid, what's a stormtrooper, it would always be star Wars. They're not going to say Nazi. Now, you know, a longer but in 70 in 76, they would. Right. And a longer question yeah. though is, is that a problem? Like when my kids in history learn about Nazi stormtroopers, are they less likely to right. be horrified by it? Because that word doesn't have any meaning or, you know. Lucas has kind of defanged the term. Right. I would say a majority of people think of Star Wars. It has kind of taken that word, that term, away from the Nazis, away from those people. But I don't know. It was just something that occurred to me because I was like, he didn't name them that on accident. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it was a conscious choice because he wanted you to know these are the bad guys. Because if you've never read any history, let me let me let you in on something. If somebody's got stormtroopers, they're bad guys. I, it's always been a joke I've had with our friends because yeah, we have several friends that have the imperial cog tattoo, and I always yeah. like to point out, yeah, you know that's basically like a Nazi tattoo, right? As opposed to my rebellion tattoo, which places me firmly <laughs> on the good guy side. Firmly as an ally. Yeah. Yes, we ran into a similar thing honestly when Winter Soldier came out, and people started saying Hail Hydra for fun. 
Right. Yeah. You know, Hydra's Nazis, right? Don't get me wrong. That movie's great. But like saying Hail Hydra isn't cool to me. Yeah. I tell you, Marvel has worked real hard to separate those two, though. They have done some have mental gymnastics on Red Skull and Hydra from the other Nazis. I'm not trying to go like Snowflake Debbie Downer. I, it was just something that occurred to me while thinking about the subject. You know, kids go to Disneyland and pose with, you know, stormtroopers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, like, OK, I don't I don't know any kids. So you guys can speak to this. Are kids that stupid that when they read about World War Two in history class that they can't go? Oh, that's where that came from. It's it's not that. It's that I think if you see the word enough and it becomes not a malevolent word enough that it doesn't have the impact. Does that make sense? We are farther away from Star Wars than Star Wars was from World War Two. Again, I don't care about Vader. Monsters are always fun. All that stuff. I guess it was just the fact that they're based on a real life thing, and they're named after a real life thing. That just makes it a little more icky to me. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to slobber over, over over scout troopers. So don't get me wrong. I'm a hypocrite on it. But <laughs> well, I think we'll talk about some of that when we talk when they finally get into what Cardinal believes and why he believes in the First Order. Like, there's some scary stuff in there that's not too far-fetched that aside let's talk about stormtroopers we like one thing that pretty much every star wars movie ever has done is they always want to give you a new stormtrooper now to be fair it's probably the toy companies i was gonna say you gotta buy a new toy (laughs) the main thing about stormtroopers though is just how cool they look so so uh ryan what what's the first one you thought of when you thought about this idea of like your favorite stormtrooper (sighs) probably the first one i thought of was the snowtrooper yeah. There's just always been something cool and different about that snowtrooper and how different the mask is and it's They don't have a face. Yeah. And it's one of the first ones we saw that has the cloth on it that's not just the straight armor. Yeah. Yeah, not only do they not have a face, they don't have a neck. Yeah. They're very sinister looking because of that. And and, and they were also the first variants that we saw. Right. Unless you count like the stormtrooper officer. The sand trooper is a little different. Sand troopers are a little different. Yeah. But not not like this. And really, like, I think out of the all the variants, they're probably the most different looking. Except for the, you know, when you get into the EU, there's all those crazy ones. Beth, what, what, what were you thinking? Well, do I get to count clone troopers? One of the great tragedies that people don't necessarily see when it comes to the Clone Wars, that the clone troopers became stormtroopers. And that's kind of a tragedy in itself. But yeah, if you want to talk clone troopers, that's fine. They were bred and built. They never had an upbringing. They were just raised to be disposable. Yep. Which is like every other stormtrooper out there. But because they're all identical, I, I think it took the Clone Wars cartoons and it took books to to make you go, oh, wait, there's personalities behind there. And that was the first time you realized. I mean, yeah, of course, you see that there are troopers everywhere in the movies, the first movies. But you don't know who they are. You don't care about them. TK421 could have been anybody. You don't care why he died or why he was bad at his job. TK421, why aren't you at your post? TK421, do you copy? But the clone troopers, you care about Rex. You care about Cody. You care about Jesse. And, you know, maybe to some extent, we will care about the Bad Batch. I know some of you guys care about them already more than I do. (laughs) We'll get there. I mean, the the clone troopers were just tragic and they were bred to have a short lifespan so that 
you know, by the time we get to A New Hope, yes, there are probably a few very, very old clone troopers left, and they're just alone with just a bunch of brainwashed idiots. The scene at the end of Clone Wars, the final scene of Clone Wars, where Vader finds Ahsoka's lightsaber, right? Yeah. When it made that cut, and all of a sudden there were stormtroopers on Clone Wars, it felt wrong. Mm-hmm. It made me sick to my stomach. It was like, what are you doing here? You're not... A... But, but that's the story. The clone troopers that are individualistic that grow personalities that yes they are bred but they are bred to be heroic and they are bred to be brave they're bred to in general be good right to follow orders but in general be good and then to be turned into or evolve into the stormtroopers of the fascist empire uh, is one of the tragedies i think any particular clone trooper you like, though? You mean besides when they paint their helmets to match Ahsoka's markings? The paint job's a little crude, but we think it gets the idea across. Glad to have you back, Commander. Rex, thank you. But you don't have to call me Commander anymore. Sure thing, Commander. That almost made me cry. Yeah, I'll take that. I was so blown away by the biker scouts the first time we saw them. Because to me, those didn't look like stormtroopers. The helmets were very different. Yeah. I love a scout trooper. For some reason, they always, when I was a kid, they always looked the coolest to me. They're coupled, of course, with the speeder bikes, which was also awesome. I mean, I'm seven years old. Watching that in the theater just blew our hair back. And then in the EU, they also introduced the shadow scouts, which were just black scout troopers but i had that figure they're very nice star wars black versions of those that i love i was always a fan of the uh scarif trooper the shore trooper yeah the shore yeah. troopers are cool are i nice. really like the shore trooper what do we think of the first order troopers <sighs> they almost look like the bottom of their mask is melted a little bit like the shape <laughs> of it yeah the flame trooper variant of it looked pretty good i thought I, there's something about like they're too it's almost like it's too smooth, if that makes yeah. sense. I think their design is fine, but I don't think they're particularly inspired. But I think you could probably say that about most of the, most of the designs in Force Awakens, and that's partially on purpose. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to talk clone troopers, though, I like the clone trooper Marine, the Galactic Marine, the one that's wow. got like kind of the maroon outfit and the oh, kind yeah. of face covering, like kind of a cloth face covering. Yeah. Just because they look so different uh, from anything else. But I always thought those were kind of cool. And I was going to mention snow, troop- snow Troopers as well, because those were kind of nightmare fuel when we were kids. And then you're right. In the expanded universe, we had things like Shadow Troopers, uh, Dark Troopers, obviously. Do you find it cooler when they paint the armor black? Because it seems like they just every once in a while think it's cool to just make the armor black. That appears to be the new end thing. You know, Bad Batch is going to have... Well, Bad Batch themselves have black armor, and then the elite troopers, they're kind of the new ones from that show, are also black. Well, and then Rogue One had the death troopers. Right. Look, unless you're on an ice world or a snow world, dark paint makes you blend in a little bit more if you're on a swamp world, because every world can only be one thing. If you're on a swamp world or a forest world, or a world like Christophsius, which is all like shards of crystal and stuff you can you can hide and blend into stuff better dark paint yeah but stormtroopers don't hide yeah stormtroopers knock down your door yeah they aren't very stealthy you're right i don't know if i like the new dark troopers being robots i don't care for that but it's a minor minor gripe i think it's probably necessary for what they're doing you know i think it's just probably the easiest way to get it across and and i i think that if you made them people i think it would be 
I don't know. They're they're probably about to do some horrific stuff and they don't want them to be people. Well, they've spent so much time showing the stormtroopers are pretty much morons on that show, so well, and that's the other thing, too, that has helped defang them, right, is that they've gone from Hitler's thugs to the gang that can't shoot straight who are beaten by a bunch of teddy bears with rocks. So there is something, too, about that, like, Star Wars has also kind of taken the piss out of them and made them into these kind of goofy, you know, goofy things that everybody makes fun of. One of my favorite Star Wars pieces is I have the gentle giant Obi-Wan in clone armor. Oh, yeah, that's such a good design. This was inspired by him wearing the armor on the the, the Clone Wars, uh, the Jendi Tartakovsky one. Mm-hmm. One of those big $300 Gentle Giant statues. And it's gorgeous. <laughs> so, you know, I, I love it for that. I, I really like that look for Obi-Wan, actually. If you're a fan of the movie Downfall, which is a very good movie, can you wear a t-shirt that has Bruno Gantz's Hitler on it? No. <laughs> No, you can't, <laughs> right? You can't, even though it's a, an actor playing a fictional version of the character, right? That's just where I get a, I get a little mixed up on it is, is when does our love of pretend bad guys start to be kind of an issue? Just look at the assholes who have um, taken up the Punisher crest Ugh, as their yeah. symbol. It looks like Marvel is taking it out. There's been a lot of talk about it. And in the solicitations that just came out for Marvel's comics in a week or two, he's not wearing the skull anymore. Yeah, I think that's a good choice. I was behind a car the other day and it had three bumper stickers. One was for the NRA, one was Blue Lives Matter, and one was a Punisher logo. Now, I will say one of the things I have enjoyed doing, though, is if I see somebody with it and like we're in line or something, I'll just start talking to them about comic books a bunch. (laughs) 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 And be like, oh, you you don't like Punisher? Let's talk about the Punisher. (laughs) Be like, man, that was real messed up when they killed Microchip, wasn't it? So do you refer to your truck as the war wagon? Hold <laughs> <laughs> on. Hold on. Uh, enough about white-clad soldiers of oppression. Let's talk about chrome-clad soldiers of oppression. And red-clad. So, the villagers. Kill them all. On my command. Five. In the middle of nowhere space... Resistance spy Vi Marotti is heading back to base when General Princess Leia Skywalker Organo Solo Esquire Esquire the third asks her to make a quick stop. That stop leads her directly into the arms of the First Order and Captain Cardinal, the super duper special trooper who gets red armor and trains all the brainwashed children into being perfect stormtroopers. Cardinal knows who Vi is and that she was investigating his arch-nemesis, Captain Phasma, who he hates for no real reason besides petty jealousy. He wants to take Phasma down, though, and is willing to secretly, if very clumsily, torture Vi to get the information he needs. Vi tells him Phasma's origin story as relayed to her by one of her former warriors. In exceptional detail. (laughs) Super duper detail. On the day that General Brendel Hux, not the movie Hux, but his dad, crashed onto the toxic waste dump of a planet called Parnassus, Phasma and her primitive band leave their ancestral lands to recover anything of value that the ship can offer. What begins as a salvage mission quickly becomes an escape mission, though, as Hux offers a way off of their decimated world. Along the way, they do some fighting, some discovering, some mining, some dying, some Thunderdome fighting, 
and get some radiation poisoning. By the time Hux is able to send out a call to the First Order, only one person who ever knew Phasma remains alive, and she is abandoned to die on Parnassus. While Vi's story certainly paints Phasma as a not-very-nice person, it doesn't really help Cardinal. Until Vi drops the bombshell that Phasma killed his hero, the first General Hux. When Cardinal brings this information to Armitage Hux, he is devastated to learn that Hux was in on it all along. Cardinal makes one last-ditch effort to take Phasma down through a physical confrontation. It does not go well for him, and Phasma leaves him dying in a rather large pool of his own poisoned blood. But just when all seems lost, an escaped Vi happens past in stolen stormtrooper armor, rescues him, which is an odd choice given the level of torture she endured, and together they escape the First Order. To Disney World. <laughs> if you are disappointed and left dying to know how their story resolves... Hey Beth, I'm disappointed in dying to know how their story resolves. If you want to know that story, you have to read Galaxy's Edge Black Spire written by the same author. It is half shameless promotion for the theme park, half decent story wrap-up. When those books started coming out, I skipped them because I thought they were a sales pitch disguised as books. They are. Yeah. But if I'd known who was in this particular book, I would have read it much, much sooner. So if you want the rest of the Cardinal and Vi story, which you should because that's who this book is really about. Read Galaxy's Edge Black Spire to get the rest of the story. Just ignore the walking tour of the park that the book gives you. Yeah, but I've never been to the park, so maybe I'll enjoy that. I haven't either, but now I know exactly what every single shop is going to have in it. <laughs> every shop. Which one has the thermal detonators filled with Sprite? <laughs> that would be the cantina, where all businesses transacted, run by a gangster. I don't remember the name because it wasn't that good a book. Uh, I read it for Cardinal and Vi. That was really all I wanted. I almost bought one of those Cokes on eBay just to have it. The you can get those? Cokes. Oh, everything from Galaxy's Edge people has on eBay. Yeah. No, but I read you couldn't take them out of the park. I was going to, like, if I ever went there, would smuggle a crap ton of them out of the park. They're not going to stop me. <laughs> At the beginning of COVID, when the parks closed down you could find some of those thermal detonator cokes and sprites at big lots. Like, yeah. they sold them to area stores. Oh, but you'd have to go to Florida, right? Tar well, Target's all over got a lot of merchandise from Galaxy's Edge, too. Like, they just, they they put a lot of, they took a lot of the merch out of the doors they weren't selling and sent them to big box stores. Oh, yeah, like, I've got some of the, that's how I got some of the Galaxy's Edge figures, is because Target released them. Sabic decks, things like that, Yeah, yeah. The Sabic decks are really nice, by the way. The Galaxy's Edge Sabic decks. Are they? I thought about getting one. I've got one. I love it. All right. So to rewind back to Phasma, if I'd read this book before I saw The Force Awakens, I'd be pretty pissed off because she is she's nothing in the movie. You'd also be a time traveler. <laughs> Wait, this book came out in 2017. When did the movie come out? 2015. This was part of the road to The Last Jedi. Right. It's a shame that road didn't turn somewhere else. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I would be pissed off. She is nobody in this movie. She is this trilogy small, a character who just looks super cool and gets zero screen time and then dies. Yeah, I'd say Maul gets way more screen time. Yeah, you're probably right. So I guess they put, you know, everybody complains about 
Force Awakens, how she was like not used right. And then they put this book out and they're like, yeah, Last Jedi's coming. Here's all this Phasma stuff. And then you get to Last Jedi and she's just as terrible. She shows up for one scene and she gets punked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she dies. You are always scum. Rebel scum. So Maul gets cartoons. He gets books. He gets everything to make him great. Phasma gets none of that. So when I'm watching the last movie, I'm like, wait, why did why did she get a book? Why did I read that? Other than Captain Cardinal and Vi, what is the point of this book existing? Because why would I care about reading a backstory of nobody? They could have solved that with just like a scene, one scene of her being a badass. Like imagine the yeah. scene from Mandalorian where Boba's taken on the stormtroopers with the gaffy stick. Give her a scene like that in one of those first two movies. And she's all of a sudden a formidable character to me. It's all I would have needed. Something to show her because what this book tells us is she's not a soldier. She's a barbarian. Yeah. She's brutal and she's heartless and she's quite possibly the evilest person in all of the First Order <laughs> after you read this book. Just saying something. Yeah. It is very frustrating that they, you know, I've joked about it, but, you know, George Lucas didn't pose with Jeremy Bullock on the cover of magazines in 1980. Gwendolyn Christie was all over the media. She was on Oprah. She was on the Vanity Fair cover. She was part of the sell for Force Awakens was, hey, you love yourself some uh, Brienne of Tarth. How about Brienne of Tarth as a stormtrooper? And I was like, hell yeah. Yeah. And then you get to the movie and not only is she not in it a whole lot, she also rolls over on him <laughs> like wow. a punk. Want me to blast that bucket off your head? Lower the shields. You're making a big mistake. Do it. <laughs> She's like, hey, I'll go to the trash compactor now. Thank you. What do we do with her? Is there a garbage chute? Trash compactor. And not only was she like one of the poster people for Force Awakens, but they played this narrative. Here's this new powerful generation of women in Star Wars. And yeah, we're going to write the ship for not having all these female characters. And then fast what happened. She's only in the movie slightly more than Constable Zuvio was. <laughs> Old <laughs> Zuvio. You're right, though. They wanted a Maul. They wanted a Boba Fett. They wanted someone who looked cool. I don't know why you don't put a little work in <laughs> to make her interesting or to, you know, like there's some early scenes in Force Awakens, you know, where she's like, you know, uh, when she's a little distrustful of Finn. FN2187, submit your blaster for inspection. Um, that you're like, oh, okay. All right, she's his boss. She doesn't trust him. She And who gave you permission to remove that helmet? I'm sorry, Captain. Report to my division at once. She's mean, but Finn is not enough motivation to find her as a badass. Though. No, but that's the first 10 minutes of the movie. I still had time yeah. to get, be disappointed. I'm just saying, <laughs> in the first 10 minutes, she's fine. <laughs> Y'all are obviously forgetting that characterization, impactful scene of when we saw her eye. That's very deep, and <laughs> I really connected there. You mean two seconds before she died? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like you're, you're right. I forgot what a big impact that had on me personally. Yeah, I was too busy watching BB-8 drive a fucking walker around the hangar. <laughs> God, that movie's terrible. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> so this book, it is definitely a better depiction of her than the movies, for sure. It couldn't not be. That's fair. And I think it's very telling when I was looking up stuff. Dawson said when she wrote this, the only thing she listened to was yeah, I read that Star too. Wars soundtracks and the Mad Max Fury Road soundtrack. <laughs> this is... It's very Mad Max. 
This is Star yeah. Wars Fury Road, or the other thing I called it was Fallout New Order. Yeah. There's not a lot of changes you would have to make to the, make this book Furiosa. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, the world has been devastated by some kind of nuclear accident, so it's it's Fallout starring Phasma. I would like to put in a disclaimer. I am in no way saying Captain Phasma is nearly as cool as Furiosa. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. No, no, nearly. I'm not. It's, 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 um, it's shameful that I even tried to compare them. So speaking of the world, when I was going back and reading this, I thought of one thing. I think they could have changed that, at least for me, would have made it much more interesting, right? So like Beth said, that the world's what, basically there was a mining accident and yeah. the world gets irradiated and it dies, basically. And so all her people are starving, whatever, whatever. And they all regress, basically, back to caveman times. How much more interesting would it have been if in the end, instead of finding that it was a mining corporation, if we found out it was the Empire? And that the Empire yeah. had destroyed the world. And without her knowing it, she's going to the people, essentially, that did it. I don't know. I think that would have been a cooler, like, story. At least be related to the, you know. Be yeah, yeah. They don't have to be the Empire. But yeah, they were working for the Empire or whatever. It could have been, like, Tog's company. Like, yeah. It seems to have its fingers and everything. Something that's related to the Empire somehow. Perhaps. It was a world destroyed in Operation Center. That would have been interesting. How about if it had been something that had been under New Republic control? Yeah. At least then, you know. They do suck, but I don't think they're going to show them sucking like that. Yeah, yeah I guess. But I mean, if it's, but if it's an accident, it's an accident. Yeah, but the New Republic would take, you know, responsibility. Take responsibility and they would try to help. And Yeah, they'd send that one Jedi they got. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would have been that would have been interesting. Um. I have some grievances with this book, but they're mostly in its conceit or it's um, I have a problem with the mechanisms in which we were being told the story. You don't like Civ. No, not Civ. I don't care about Civ. Vi and the way she. Vi and Cardinal. Uh. First of all, she is a spy for the New Republic. He is a stormtrooper that has never been in a battle. Very clear in this book. They say he's never killed anyone. Mm-hmm. And they instantly know everything about each other. She's trying to pretend she's somebody else. And he's like, no, I know everything about you. And then she's like, well, I know everything about you. Okay. And then he says, and I know you've been to this planet. And the only reason for you to go to this planet would be to research Phasma. Now tell me her whole life story. And I want it to be well-written. <laughs> <laughs> like break it into chapters. Well, we'll stop for snack breaks. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what happens. Like, Yeah. Oh, I need another snack. I need some water. So the way in which it's told bothered me because it felt so contrived. And it wouldn't bother me as much if Vi didn't every once in a while in the book look at the camera. Because the whole idea is, you know, he's interrogating her and saying, give me something on Phasma. First of all, I guess he's the most naive person in the entire Star Wars galaxy. She, she starts telling the story, but every once in a while in the book, she'll say something in character to him. Like she'll say something to Cardinal, which is basically saying something to us because we're the audience listening. And it totally broke me out of the moment. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is supposed to be someone sitting in a torture chamber dictating a, you know, 300 page novel to somebody. (laughs) It felt (laughs) it just felt very fake. That's all. Mm -hmm. I'd like to know why you guys love Cardinal so much. Uh, He's he's extremely sympathetic because he is basically brainwashed and he was saved by Hux. And let's face it, if you remember Brendel Hux from Aftermath, he was not a great guy then. He is not a great guy in this book. Still better than his kid. I'm the spy. Eh, yeah. 
it gives you insight into why people in the first order are so easily brainwashed is because he is he is that kid who was picked up on he was on Jakku. He was from a shithole planet where he would have possibly died otherwise and is saved by this man in these shiny spaceships and takes him up into the stars. So he hero worships Brendel Hux and is so bought into Brendel Hux as a man and what Brendel Hux represents is the First Order. So he buys into the First Order and he's so desperately bought into Brendel Hux as a man in the First Order as a representation of what this man brings that he can't stand for anything about Hux to be brought down. He tortures Vi horribly. Kinda. Actually, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He shocks her a few times. He electrocutes her. Yeah, like twice. And then then they just chat and have a picnic. It's more than just a shock. And she's kind of left like strapped to a table. Sure. Hanging by her straps for hours. We do know that she cons him in this movie, right? In this book, right? Oh, yeah. He's still sympathetic because he's desperate. Well, he's sympathetic because he doesn't keep torturing her. By the end, he's not torturing her. I think very early on, he stops torturing her. He's doing more good cop stuff. When he leaves to go to the big meeting where he gets shut out finally, I mean, he he torture, he electrocutes her into unconsciousness. And if you read Black Spire, she still has fingers she can't feel because of the amount of electrocution he put her through. That's fair. It didn't it didn't feel that way in the book. But if yeah, Yeah. that's an interesting detail. He does bring her some medicine that tastes like chicken, though. So. (laughs) <laughs> I I want him to win. I want him to live even after all that torture because he still maintains the ability to question like a Finn character, like, like the heroes do. He has the ability to question his bosses and go, wait, somebody isn't right here. Something's wrong. Somebody's right. And I don't think it's the side I'm on. And I think that's why I find Captain Cardinal interesting and compelling he's got that good arc from new republic sucks which we all know Mm. where he's starving and he thinks the first order because this is what he's been told and he talks about this that people on jakku were starving and the new republic didn't do anything and hux at least according to him the plan was they were going to feed people and they were going to have medical care for everybody and he kind of says like most people are not able to take care of themselves in the long run. You got to have a strong government to do it, which, you know, that's a whole other argument. But he sees by the end of this that the First Order is going to pick Phasma. They're not going to pick the person that wants to take care of kids. They're going to pick the brute. But he doesn't know anything about her, right? When this book starts. Well, no, and that, that's what changes no. his mind on the First Order, I think, is that he realizes okay. I'm not the... Yeah, I, I this big thing I thought that was getting all these great people like Brindle Hux, I was wrong. Like the first order is actually Armitage and Phasma who are these awful people. No, at first his his motivation is a little petty because it's a little like, well, this is my program, and then Phasma came in and took yeah. half of it, and I don't even know who the hell she is. So it's a little petty his motivation at first for wanting to kill Phasma, but by the end of the book, but I don't even know if it's petty because it that that scene at the end where. He's talking to her and he basically says, you know, you took my kids and then turned them into murderers and killers. That's not what he was training. And so I think he's got like a legit yeah, beef there. That's true. 
I think he's splitting hairs a little bit. Like you're right, but what he's basically saying is, I train soldiers and you train killers. Well, what did you think was going to happen to the soldiers you were creating? Well, he also hasn't left the ship since he was a child. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it's bad that he's naive. He's just very, very naive. I mean, I think he thinks he's training like rebellion soldiers. Like we don't think of the soldiers in the rebellion as killers and slaughterers. And or 2022. We'll see about that. <laughs> That's true. I, I, I said I, I thought he was interesting. I just I wanted a little more. I wanted him to have a little more of a spine. I think like he rolls over pretty easy in the book. He he believes pretty much everything that he's told by everyone. <laughs> I, I liked him. I just thought he was more of a cipher for the audience than he was an actual character. But they did yeah. make some good points with him, though. Well, he was he was willing to die to just confront Phasma. It's just sheer stupid luck that or stupid plot device that Vi came along and saved him. Well, I mean, he let her out. He left the door unlocked. He just left the door unlocked. She managed to escape. He left the door unlocked so she would escape, though. He says that. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, I know that. But, you know, in, in her state, yes. she's just really damn good. She is. One would say too good, but um, <laughs> it's a book. Yeah, it's no, fiction. I know. I just think she knows too much. That's all. I also think it's a coincidence. It's an unbelievably ridiculous coincidence that Leia calls her. She's on one mission. She's coming home. Leia says, hey, can you swing by this other system? We think there might be first order activity. She swings by that system. She gets kidnapped by a Star Destroyer, and the Star Destroyer happens to have the guy on there that wants to take down the person that she has the information on. That's a very small galaxy. That is what we call it, plot device? Sure. <laughs> sure. It's just, I forgot about halfway through the book, because it feels like they should have kidnapped her. You know, it feels like Vi should have been someone that they targeted because they knew she knew something. Yeah, no. But no, they just stumble <laughs> on her, and he's like, well, damn my luck. Look at my luck. Someone who has her entire biography memorized <laughs> just happened to wander onto the ship. My horoscope was right today. I need to buy a Powerball ticket. <laughs> well, let's talk about Phasma's world a little bit. Like, and I, well, let's talk about Phasma. Let's talk about her. I've got a lot of things about. So I, I skimmed over her world because there are a lot of things about her world I want to talk about. <laughs> like mining and droid civilizations and... And her primitive, primitive world where it gets into some real Star Trek crap where she's like, what is this word? I do not know this word. Yeah. What does that word mean? And that is some Star Trek. What is this thing you humans call love garbage? Well, and then you find out. It does not fit. The mining company left like 100 years ago. Like It hasn't been that right. long. It's not that long. These people devolved really quickly. It reminded me of Battlefield Earth. I've never seen that, so I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's... No, I'm sorry for you. That's the story of Battlefield Earth, right? Is yeah. that, like, humans left, and then these, you know, and they've kind of regressed into into basically being the Neanderthals again, or into cave dwellers again God. with no technology. Terminate all man animals at will, and happy hunting! Did they regress that quickly? No, it takes over a longer okay. amount of time. But right. still, I was waiting for Barry Pepper to show up. Here's the crazy thing. You listed all those things. You didn't mention the fact that they extract the essences of their dead friends and then use them to keep them alive. And basically yeah. make suntan lotion out of them. Make a salve out of it. Gotta do what you gotta do. And it happens a lot in this book. They are fairly obsessed with it. It's a very strong through line 
in the book, especially since Civ is the one that has the detractors, I think they call them. Detractors. Detractors. Civ's the one who has them. And so since since Civ is our narrator, it makes that process front and center. And I was like, after the third time, I'm like, I get it. <laughs> okay, let's, you're supposed to, all right, you're going to eat your brother? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> like, it's very, it's very <laughs> strange. It's very strange that, like, Dawson thought that was an essential part of the story, but maybe it is. I don't know. Like, what did that mean to you? Did that, it's not a trivial part of the book. It was just like a, to me, that was just a thing they did. It's just so much of the book. It is a lot. Is a lot. So I was just trying to figure out, like, what am I supposed to be taking from this? I liked how brutal she was. <laughs> like, I loved where her brother, she disagrees with her brother. And she's like, yeah, we're going to leave and we're going to take all the food. Yeah, we're going to take your stuff. <laughs> yeah. And the very end story when she's, when Sift uh, <laughs> says the very end story where yeah. she's like, Oh, yeah. So we wanted to team up with these guys and and uh, my family didn't want to. So I stabbed my brother in the leg and then we chopped his leg off and we were teamed up now. Stabbed him so he wouldn't fight. Yeah. yeah. And gives over her cave. There's a very it said she's they're, they're they're barbarians. Yeah. Their whole world exists for a, a small patch. And then anything beyond that is the unknown and the other. There's other tribes out there that they're warring with. It is so Mad Max. Well, there's only one other tribe and it's the tribe that has an alien. Because they've got a Doug. Well, it's the tribe that we know of. There's got to be others somewhere. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's... It's the only one they know of. I think so. Or or that's adjacent. It's in their, That's close to their territory. And they're fighting over caves and plateaus and stuff. It, it is very, like, going back to, like, primal dawn of man. I liked the idea. I liked the idea that inside that armor... We'll get to how she got the armor in a minute. Because I think it's not nearly as cool as the author thinks it is. <laughs> it's not... <laughs> um, no, it's not. <laughs> That inside that armor is a savage. She's not a hardcore trained soldier, not a military brat. She was not kidnapped as a small child like so many of the other stormtroopers and brainwashed into this. She's a brutal, tactically creative, amoral monster. She's not a soldier. It is a little too convenient, though, how quickly she picks up on tech. For a person who's never, ever seen any kind of tech before, she grabs a data pad and is like, hey, show me how this works. Oh, OK, I know how to work it now. I don't know. Probably picks it up faster than a lot of boomers. It's <laughs> I guess you have to bandage over that stuff a little bit to move the story forward. But man, like if Dawson's goal was to make me despise this woman, did a good job. Yeah. She's got no redeeming qualities. None. Like other than her competence in like battle, but like as a human being, uh, as a as as a just a moral living being she has no redeeming quality she's freaking awful she does what she says though she told brindle she'd get into that ship and by god she got into that ship <laughs> she does she said a lot of other things too that she didn't do though that's true they they got exploded by were what, what were they were like what no beetles the golden beetles that turn yes. you into like liquid and and killed brindle hux i don't know what a skin wolf is but it sounds gross <laughs> I think it's just a hairless wolf. I pictured a hair, hairless wolf with like boobos. Yeah. Or like some flaps. But like, I, <laughs> yeah. I imagine just like a hairless cat. That means when you're fighting them, it's like fighting with somebody's butt. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever held a held a, a hairless cat? It's like holding no, an ass no. in your hands. I don't want to touch that. Next week, though. Hairless pets. Weird. Skin Wolf, also my favorite condom brand. <laughs> Skin Wolf. <laughs> for men on the prowl <laughs> was the whole point of the book just to make me hate her i think it was to make you think she's a badass that's what i think yeah not to hate her but be like whoa she's crazy also yeah but she's not though she's just terrible i mean she's powerful at times but she's also just terrible 
Well, who in the First Order isn't, though? Well, your boyfriend, Cardinal. He leaves, though, when he finds out. Right. They're terrible. So you read this whole thing about her, and she seems to like, the whole story about her seems to be, she wants a leader with strength. And, you know, what's the brother, Keldor? He's not strong enough. He can't be the leader. This other person can't be the leader because they're not strong enough. My parents suck, so I killed them. So why does she follow Armitage Hux? I'm the spy. Why would she not? No, Brendel. Brendel, I can understand. And she knocks Brendel off. Why would she not kill Armitage? I'm the spy. Why would she go along with Armitage? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she's following him, though. I think it's her own agenda. He's her superior, it's though. Always, it's always her own agenda, though. But she doesn't yeah. seem to care about the superiors. What is her agenda? In the movies, who knows? We don't get to know that because we don't need to know. Her agenda in the book is to get off the planet. Which is fair. It's a terrible planet. Right, and she accomplishes that. But it's like after that, it's like, yeah, what is her goal? Does she want to rule the First Order? That doesn't seem to be the case. Like, is it just... I found a place where I belong, but also I'm going to knock some people off. Uh, you know, that's the thing. Yeah, that I don't I, I agree with you. I don't understand that either. Like, why would you want Armitage and not Brendel? <laughs> or why wouldn't you get rid of both of them? One's one's just as evil, but a lot dumber than the other one. I'm the spy. Well, dumb guys are easier to manipulate. I thought the character in this book. That's true. I thought the character in this book was interesting. Her entire story in those two movies is she hates Finn. Yeah, pretty much. She she questions Finn at the beginning. She bears down on him. Submit your blaster for inspection. She fights Finn at the end, and you know, and he tortures her. Trash compactor. Then in The Last Jedi. FN-2187. So good to have you back. She fights Finn and he kills her. Her entire story is just her relationship to Finn. It's basically all she is in that, is Finn's old boss. You're a buck in the system. Let's go, Chromedome. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, I don't even think the suit's that cool. It's really not. <laughs> yeah. The it's, red armor's cooler. The red armor is cooler. If, if they had designed it, you know, maybe it had some, like, sweet spikes or something, or, like, <laughs> I don't know, something else, just instead of being made of sheathed spaceship. <laughs> okay. Wait, hold on, but that's the ta- that's the end credit sequence. We can't skip to that or <laughs> That's our big payoff. <laughs> we were all wondering how she got the armor, right? Yeah. No, we weren't. We weren't at all. <laughs> no. With the mall with Boba Fett, you're interested. Like, hey, who's this character? I want to know more about them. And you get a payoff. With Phasma, it's, hey, who's this character? I want to know more about them. And I didn't really learn that much about them. They are also incredibly distinct looking characters. She's a stormtrooper painted chrome. Right. Which visually is distinct. Yeah, but it's not mall distinct. Well, and not when we've just come off of seeing every color clone trooper in the world. Like seeing a trooper just painted another color doesn't matter anymore. She's a stormtrooper leader. And and listen, a lot of this is the fault of the movies. The movies let down. Let's be fair. Like despite my affection for some of them, the movies let down a lot of their characters. A whole lot of thought ahead of time of like what these cool characters, how these characters would be cool and very little thought about how to actually use them in the story. You're not trying to say Star Wars is just to sell toys, are you? Actually, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. But in this case, like I said, I'm still waiting for my $20 back on my Constable Zuvio. Because uh, at least Phasma was in the movie. Yeah. 
there's a Walgreens by me that still has a Constable Zuvio on the rack, <laughs> and it's one of my favorite things when I'm toy hunting is to make sure it's still there. <laughs> and it always will be. If I become the project, like the project writer on like Fallout Nine, <laughs> I will have someone find a Constable Zuvio <laughs> in a gas station somewhere or in a wall. Uh, it, no, it's got to be in a Walgreens. It's got to yeah. be in a Walgreens shoved to the back in there. There, that's where he is. Just. All right, I'm I'm writing that down for my notes. Uh, a girl who used to work for me has gone on to go to video game design school, and yeah. she said, "Send me notes on what you want." I'm adding that in. <laughs> With someone to find a Constable Zuvio action <laughs> figure in a Walgreens. <sighs> he was in one book. He yeah. wasn't a book. He was in one of the before the Force Awakens books. But anyway, <sighs> but and and you know, it seems like a waste of time talking about him. But they're not dissimilar in the sense that they were sold to us. She obviously was a bigger character, you know. Well, and maybe one thing we haven't talked about that's important and might make her more interesting, you know, we haven't mentioned that she also has a cape. Let's think about our cape club here then. That means we got obviously Vader, Krennic. That's a half cape, that doesn't count. That's still a cape. A half cape's a cape. I delivered the weapon the Emperor requested. I deserve an audience. Lando. It's, a, it's yeah. called a capelet. Lando. It's a lot of capes. Maybe too many capes. Does Kira have capes? She has more clothes. No, she borrows like Lando's capes. Whoa! That's my cape! Oh, that's a custom piece! Yeah. Does Hux have a cape? Oh, I'm sure he does somewhere. Now, he tends to wear more of the old Nazi duster. Yeah, I think he just he wears yeah, the cape yeah. when he's alone. <laughs> he he yeah. wears the cape when he's alone in his quarters. Uh, he is wearing a robe in this book. Oh, yeah. Which uh, is the least sexy thing I've ever read. Because I've just pictured Domino Gleason with that slicked back hair and a robe, and it gave me, like, kind of goosebumps in a gross way. I kind of feel bad for Domino Gleason because, like, he did the exact right thing with that character. Yeah. He plays the hell out of it. It's just such oh, an unlikable character that, like, it's absolutely. almost it's almost too unlikable to even like them as a bad guy. Yeah. Is the He's problem. so Weasley, it's it's oversold. I'm the spy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, he was a resistant he resistance hero for about 30 seconds. Uh, good for him. Then it turned out he wasn't. And then he got shot unceremoniously. <laughs> Just popped. Anyway, yeah, that movie wasn't written in 10 minutes or anything. The reason I picked this book is not because it's the best Star Wars book. It is because it has a special place in my heart because this was the first book I read of the Disney age. Me too. It was because Pete and Shwek cornered me at a party and were like, have you read this book? Like, um, I don't know. They still write Star Wars books? And you guys talked me into it and I went and read it and was like, oh, Star Wars is still doing interesting books. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm back in. Without that book, I might not have gone on to read a ton of great stories. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. So, so sit down and think about it. Was it really the right decision then? <laughs> uh, Having to spend uh, several hours every two weeks with the two of us? I Was it really worth do it? Work, I, I do have a new job with a <laughs> work group who thinks that I was asked to introduce myself and say something interesting. And I said, well, I don't know how interesting it is, but I co-host a Star Wars podcast. And everybody went, that's awesome. <laughs> really? It's about Star Wars books. Like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Queen of the nerds. OK, that's cool that you think that's cool. <laughs> Yay. I'll say this. It was definitely distinctive. 
like it wasn't I couldn't compare it to any other Star Wars book. Yeah, it was darker than most Star Wars books. It is real bleak and real violent. They wipe out a droid civilization. The battle at the end where she massacres her own people. That was rough. That was a tough read, actually. When her brother finally catches up to them and like the little girl who started this whole thing, Siv realizes she just killed her mom and killing her friends and everything. And I actually thought it was almost a little too impersonal the way it was written. And then she watches like her father, her the, the father of her unborn child murdered by his brother. And then murders him. It was real messed up. Yeah. <laughs> so, Shwek, what about this book made you and Pete, not asking you to speak for Pete, but made you guys love it so much that you cornered me at a party and said, you have to read this book. Beth, I think we both know that Ryan is completely capable of speaking for Pete and vice versa. <laughs> That's true. Speak for your hetero life, mate. I think looking back, like you said, this is the first book, because I read this before Aftermath, before this was the first Star Wars book I had read in forever, because I didn't read Obi-Wan when it came out. I didn't read Tarkin. I mean, I bet it had been a good maybe 10 years between five and 10 years since I've read a Star Wars book, roughly. And so I think it was like that excitement. And I like, you know, again, I like, you know, it's not in this book, a whole bunch of space wizards. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's true. It's true. And so I, I like that primitive part of it. Uh, you know, going back again, it's not quite as good as I remember, but I think it was part of all that kind of, excitement that was going around at that time when this came out you know it was before last jedi had yes, come and, you, out. and you hadn't seen last jedi yet i hadn't seen last jedi yet <laughs> there was still hope for the movies in the future so you did read this before last jedi yeah so you had this vision of phasma yes already okay so that's interesting yeah i i read it immediately after they told me to read it but i remember the feeling going to see Rogue One after reading Catalyst uh, Catalyst, yeah. and feeling like there's the the big movie that everybody likes. And then there's parts of that movie that I think I'm the only one who understands or cares about <laughs> when Galen's wife is killed at the very beginning. I was distraught and everyone's like, why do you care? We just met her two seconds ago. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I just spent 450 pages with her. <laughs> I think this has the opposite effect of where it's like Catalyst makes Rogue One better this yeah. book makes Last Jedi even worse because you're like, yeah, Phasma is not going to be taken out by Finn like that. And she's not going to end up in that situation. Like, Even if Finn's a Jedi? Ugh. Even if Finn has the Force? Which is what has been implied or flat out said, I think. I kind of. Who knows? Well, and if you look at delilah s dawson as a writer she has not written a lot of star wars books she writes a lot of ya and looking at the covers of the other books she's written there's a lot of sexy books did she write the perfect weapon was that her other star wars book yep i uh, read she wrote the that's a leia book black right? spire yeah but before during yes. the road to the force awakens she had that book yes but I'm also looking at a lot of covers with guys with blousey open shirts. Remind me, the perfect weapon, that's the like sexy spy one, right? 
I think so. Yeah, it was like a novella. It wasn't like a full book, but I, that's where I remembered the name. Because, but uh, yeah, I mean, maybe that's what she specializes in. This book wasn't particularly sexy. There's a lot of abs in her book covers, from what I'm seeing. That's fair. That probably sells. <laughs> Why not? I thought about writing erotica novels on Amazon. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of it's, I know we're not talking as much about the book and more about the character, but that's the thing. Like, it's that's all this book is, though. Yeah, it's, there's not. I mean, the plot itself is just kind of go from point A to point B and do some mining in the middle of it for some reason. <laughs> um, well, like you said it, it is so much like Mad Max, except for, you know, it doesn't have anything as cool as the guy with the guitar. I don't know. The, the one guy covered in all the Beatles was pretty cool. <laughs> oh, OK, that's kind of cool. But like. And it doesn't have the, you know, the kinetic actual action and the visceral yeah. feel that Mad Max has. Although I did read in the trivia. Did you see this? That they she originally wanted to call it um, Phasma Black and Chrome. <laughs> and that ended up, of course, being the, the name for the black and white version of Fury Road. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she was, you know, it was she was very much trying to make Mad Max Fury Road in this book. I mean, she was very she's been very clear about it. So I think the setup kind of, and, and she definitely was going for that, but then the setup with Cardinal and Vi, like it stops the action so much that yeah. like, would this have been better if instead of they having that, if it was more like Fury Road where all of a sudden it's just go, 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 go. They never stop. Yeah. They jump from group to group. You know, we fight these guys, we fight these guys, we fight these guys. They probably still stop in mind for a little while. And then, <laughs> like, I mean, would that have made the book better, you think, instead of breaking it up if it kind of had this, like, breakneck pace? I, I don't know if it would have made it better. I don't want to second guess her decisions because I think she probably had a reason for the narrative um, framing yeah. device. Remember, she's also working for people. Part of her responsibility is to really tie it into The Last Jedi. Yeah. If you wrote that book now, I think you could get away with that. Well, and I mean, the problem would be who, if you did write it that way, without Vi and Cardinal, who's your narrator? Because you can't do it from Phasma's point of view, and you can't... Well, you could still do it from Siv's point of view. Well, but does that, is Siv too close and makes it seem more, like, horrifying? You know what I mean? I mean, I think her story works better with a narrator. Like, I mean, yeah, you could tell it did third person, but I, I think as far as, like, making it more like this legend of... Phasma. You can create a character that exists in the story that works, even if it's not Civ. You could find a way to do that if you needed to. Hux would be interesting. Like a pompous, like jerk kind of military guy, and then like follow his kind of how he sees things from. Civ is purposely left alive when Phasma purposely kills everyone who's ever seen her face. Or allows them to be killed. Siv lives. And Phasma is very careful about killing everyone who knows who she is. Except Siv. She also cries when they nuke her, her family home. So, I mean, she's still Possibly. got... Possibly. We don't know for sure she's wearing a mask. Her shoulders are shaking. She might be laughing. We don't know. She could be laughing. So, uh, what are we going to talk about next week? Or in two weeks? Next time, we are going to get to go to one of our favorite authors, Timothy Zahn, for the second book of the Ascendancy Trilogy, Greater Good. Yes. I know. It feels like it's been forever since that first book came out. And it hasn't been. 
It really it hasn't. It really hasn't. It's been a long year, Ryan. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's been a I long know. couple of years. I know. <laughs> Everything seems forever ago. <laughs> so yeah, it's time for the, the second book. Uh, what we know is that it has a lot to do with dissension in the ranks in the nine ruling families. And if the Chiss Empire will survive. And we assume the Grisk are going to show up at some point. But... <laughs> I'm looking forward to apostrophes. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to backstabbing. Do I have to get the audiobook just to know how to pronounce this shit? No, you just yeah. make it up. You put some fuss in there and some <laughs> pauses. Once you get down to the core names, it's pretty easy. Yeah. yeah. This is a book where I'm going to be like, less action, please. Yeah. And I'm going to have to go back and remember how all the positions work. Because I had them down for a little while. All the blood cousins and all that stuff. I'm going to need that page in the front again. I'm sure he'll reiterate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he'll give you, he'll make sure you have the information you need to understand what's going on. You know, Zon's a pro. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys. And thank everyone for joining us tonight. And we will talk to you all soon. Done. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at NeedlessThingsPodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh. My lord. Stormtrooper. My lord. Stormtrooper. My lord. Stormtrooper. My lord. Yep. My lord. Uh-huh. My lord. Yo. My lord. Hmm. My lord. <sighs> Stormtrooper. My lord. Stormtrooper. My lord. Stormtrooper. My lord. Stormtrooper. My lord. Stormtrooper. Stormtrooper. My lord. Stormtrooper. Stormtrooper. My lord. Ugh. My lord. Go f*** yourself. My lord. Go f*** yourself. My lord. Go f*** yourself. My lord. Go f*** yourself.